Welcome to Hack the Interview. We're your hosts. I'm Adrian, And I'm Lorene. We are sisters, recruiters, and business partners with the Atlas Group, an organization that helps to diversify the talent pool for tech teams and helps job seekers through the entire job search process. We're here today to give advice, feedback, and help you hack the interview. So today we're talking about red flags. Are you full of red flags? We're going to go over this so you have some sort of idea of what red flags look like for recruiters. What do you have, Rini? Okay, so I have a lot to talk about today. Um, and, you know, I think the first thing that I just want everyone to remember is that recruiters listen to you and everything. And they're they- mostly, the, and, then, and they type notes while you're talking. Yes. Recruiters listen to and type notes while you're talking, right? So that's a really good point to bring up, A, is that we're typing and we're taking these notes, right? We can refer back to them. So everything that you say is going to make an impact on if they feel comfortable submitting you to their client or not. So, you know, again, like there's so many red flags that flags I can talk about, but, um, you know, you definitely want to know if you're just screaming them. So the first one I'll go into is, um, you know, kind of like if, if, if I'm thinking starting from the initial call to kind of ending it or anything in between, right? So I think the first thing is being prepared for the call. So say we have a call at 12 and I call you at 12 and you're shuffling around, right? Trying to get, in a, you know, yourself in a quiet room or whatever it is, or you're driving, right? How can you take notes or be mindful? Um, or you answer the phone, like, who is this? right? And the tune changes quick, or, you know, some people forgot that we even had a call scheduled. Um, so just be prepared for the call. Because what I'm thinking is, are you going to pick up the phone like this when I set you up with an interview for my client? Totally you know? true. Like attitude yeah. uh, is a huge one. I actually had a incident. I, this has actually happened a few times this year. I love where- that you called it an incident. It's an incident <laughs> <laughs> because it's a, it's, it's one of the flags that I'm keeping. Yes. Tallied no, I love it. it. I love it. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So it, it's simple, you know, but someone, we had a scheduled call with like email reminders and they're literally checking out at the supermarket and you hear beep, beep. <laughs> and then they put me on hold because they need to talk to the the cash register person. Yeah. And so that's just like when it like not being prepared, not thinking of someone else's time, like definitely keep those in mind. Yeah. Because how's that person even taking notes or being mindful on the role or, you know, it's just, it's like preparedness and then self-awareness too. Um, that's a good example. Um, okay. So Another red flag that I have, it's, it's actually a huge pet peeve for me, and I actually get really worked up about it, um, is when I ask someone what's their motivation to look for a new role, and they tell me that they're happy at their job, and they're not looking, but they're just open to hearing about better opportunities, but they also can't clearly tell me what a better opportunity is. So, A, I don't know about you, but this just turns me right off, and my first thought is, then why are you wasting my time and your time? Uh, I'm not here to sell a job to you and just am like crossing my fingers and hoping you'll take it. You know, I talk to people who are actually looking and ready for a change and hopefully making a connection with my client. So there's a big focus on 
um, or I'll hear other headhunters say or hiring managers say, you know, getting candidates who are passive and thinking that somehow more worth their time than someone who's actually ready to jump ship or unemployed. So people can disagree with me here, but I would say if you have zero motivation to leave your current role, why would I have any motivation to submit you to my client when you probably wouldn't accept an offer? So I want to add to this. When I press on this and people say, well, I'm always, you know, willing to listen and see if there's something better. You know, I then ask, well, what's better? And they say, well, growth and, you know, working with new technologies. And I'll say, okay, is there no current growth opportunity where you are? And which technologies do you want to work in? And are you not working with them now? And they'll say, well, yeah, there's growth here. And, you know, I want to use AWS, but, you know, I'm learning that now too. I mean, at this point, I'm just done with the conversation and it's, it's too much risk for me um, and most importantly, my client. Um, so I think the motivation piece is, is, is really big because when you're talking to a recruiter, you need to let them know that, what you, that you're not a risk to submit to their client who they have a relationship with and need to, need, need to keep a relationship with. So, and, and Lorraine, why, what is the risk when you're talking about a risk to the client? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So a risk in honestly talking to a candidate who isn't really interested, right? Or like, if you think about, um, you know, dating, right? Like, are you going to date someone that's emotionally available or someone that is in another relationship that really isn't motivated to leave? Like, probably not. It's the same thing. Um, so, you know, this, you're presenting a candidate to your client and, you know, the end game here, the end goal is to place, you know, place candidates that we present. So if we have a doubt that you actually might not even be in this wholeheartedly or that it's just not the right timing for you, or you're really not serious about actually finding another position, then it's risky. I completely agree with you. And I, I, I felt like when I'm not able to find a deep motivation for people to leave their positions and they're just looking, a lot of times it could be used, the interview process could be used in order for them to get an offer to then negotiate at their current company. Right. Exactly. I totally agree with that. 100%. Um, yeah, that's, that's another risk as well. Um, and then you end up wasting time. And, you know, some people think that this is harmless, right? They think that, oh, well, I'm just looking, you know, I want to see, I want to shop around. But, you know, for people like headhunters where this is our job or for people who, you know, desperately need to fill a position because they can't, you know, move forward with a certain project that's really important. Um, you know, these things aren't um, as lighthearted. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. So I think, you know, it, it's definitely good to like keep options open, right? Like, like, let's say you are happy at your position, but there's things that could make it better. Know what those things are that, that, that you would be willing to make a change for so that you can be clear and transparent about that. Yeah, absolutely. Know what you'd be looking for and know what the role would need to be in order for it, a move to make sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you have? So another thing is, and I think this is in general, but like I hear it a lot and it's um, people like talking crap about their employer. Now I get it. Some places are completely toxic, but 
you know, if you tell me that, you know, all of management got into a fight and people are dumb and management is stupid, you know, and it's the reason why you left all your past positions, you know, that tells me that you probably are the one with the behavioral issue, right? So you could completely have a, like work in a toxic environment, but you want to stick to the facts. So, you know, you could say there's no clear, you know, strategy for the product, or, you know, I have five different managers in one year, or, you know, we had, um, you know, really high turnover, or, you know, we weren't allowed to take lunches, or we'd get in trouble for taking lunches, or, you know, management curses at employees, right? These are things that happened. You know, it's not really talking about how you felt about, um, you know, management being stupid or dumb or, you know, things like that. I mean, there are things that you can say um, where people will get it. Um, and you know, it not sounding like you're the, you're the behavioral problem. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, there are millions of toxic work environments and like, we totally get it. But, you know, when you talk bad in a way about your employer like that, um, it can definitely come across like you're the problem, even if you're not. So just, just be really mindful about that. It can come off as a red flag. Totally. And like, and it also can kind of come off of like drama-y, like it's like, right. you know, we, we, they don't need to ho- hear the whole story. It's like, just the facts, like just yes. the facts. And when this is like new or not new, but like if you're in a toxic work environment and it's like fresh, right? It's like a fresh wound. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Like don't you don't need like you don't need to go and 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 have those conversations with your new potential employer. Like get a trusted friend, a therapist, um, a family member, and or use your pen and paper, vent, get it all out of your system so that when you're in the interview, you can speak from a more objective uh, place. Right. And you're not getting it out to the recruiter or to the hiring manager. Yeah. Um, so a, I've been talking to, um, about a couple um, red flags myself, but um, can we get like a list of yours? Can you, can you break some down for us? Yeah, definitely. One would be you know, missing the interview uh, to mm-hmm. you know, not being prepared for the interview or doing an interview like in supermarket when you're checking out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> another one would be uh, being clear on the job that you're going for. And so, for example, if you're in an entry level role and you're coming in and saying like, you know, I want to be the, the CEO and my goal is to be the CEO in, in two years, um, you know, that could be a red flag because that's not t- the trajectory of this position. So knowing that, okay, this may not be something that this person's going to be in here long term. Um, and then another one is when you don't have time to interview. Um, I, if you, here's a recommendation in coming to an interview, have some interview times that you're going to be available. So if they do want to set you up on the next round, you're prepared to let them know what your schedule is to interview for the next two weeks just so you're available. Can I add to that too? Because I think being unavailable is one of my pet peeves too. Um, like if you're hard to schedule with or to get on the phone, like I've had people tell me they're interested in a role and they want to be considered, you know, but they're not available between the hours of nine to five to interview or, you know, oh, well, I really don't want to take from, you know, you know, uh, hours at work to interview. Like it's like a noble thing or something, but you know, the reality is that, you know, you're just not ready and to be in the job market if you don't have time to interview or you aren't willing to take time to do it during normal work hours, you're really not ready to be in the job market. Rini, do you know what's interesting? I will never forget this. I got recruited out of a company that I was working in and um, uh, the hiring manager was emailing me 
and you know, and I, I was a novice at interviewing and I was giving him after hours for me to, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to interview. I just didn't know. Right. I was just like, this is when I'm available. Right. And he was like, he's like, well, don't you take like a bathroom break? Or like, I think he even said a cigarette break. Cause I think cigarettes may have been like more popular yeah. years ago, <laughs> but he was like, you know, don't you take a bathroom break or like a lunch break? Like, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. I can make a 15 minute call, a 30 minute call work here. Right. So that kind of opened up my eyes. Cause I was just thinking like, oh, I need to, you know, have something, you know, more formal. But when he put it that way, that kind of opened up my eyes of like, oh yeah, I do have more availability. Yeah, exactly. And then it can also take to, okay, well, if you don't have time to interview with me, are you going to have time to interview with my client when it comes to that point, am I going to have to chase you down, right. To schedule you for an interview. Like it's just not worth the headache when we have, you know, other candidates that we have in the process that are easy to, Mm -hmm. to set up and then we don't have to chase them down. So, you know, when when we choose to submit people, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're making a commitment. Um, and we're going to stick with you for those next couple of weeks or however long the interview process takes. So, you know, we have to, you know, really keep in mind with what we're getting ourselves into and someone that's just hard to track down and not able to interview. It's, you know, it's not, um, appealing. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when you, when you begin an interview process, like there's some sacrifices, unfortunately, you know, that, that, uh, you know, can be made sometimes because of, um, you know, your time, right. You're, you're, you're now looking into the different things. Right. Um, and you touched on this a little bit too, Lorraine, about um, taking too long to respond. Uh, that's another red flag that I have is, you know, you know, if there's like, if I'm seeing a pattern of like, it takes someone like a week to respond or two, even two weeks is way too long. But, right. you know, normally when we're like, we're looking at jobs, we want to be like on it with our response time. And uh, you mentioned this too, about uh, everything is great at your role and there's nothing that you would like to change. You talked about um, people, you know, kind of bashing their companies. Um, one of the things that I also have noticed though, is when everything is great at someone's position, they have nothing bad to say about their role. Um, and then in that case, it's, you know, it it can be hard to find the motivation. And so a lot of times, you know, when I, when I, when me or my team are asking the questions of like, um, you know, what is it that you don't like, or what do you, what is it that, that you wish that you could change? It's more, what would you like to improve? What would be that thing that you would leave your job for? Like, what is it? Is it a title change? Is it the pay? Is it the job responsibilities? Is it a new technology? Just having that. Um, the other red flag is just seeing what else is out there. Um, and making things up, making things up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and this is interesting what I've noticed too, like on resumes, like where you, like there, you know, there may be like keywords put in the resume, but when I ask about it, you're act people aren't actually doing it. It's more of like an interest or something that was supposed to like highlight. So like, that's definitely a red flag when things just like aren't matching up. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I totally agree with that. And, you know, there's, there's some times too, where, um, you know, someone tells me what they want. Um, you know, I'll ask them, so like, what's the next ideal role? Like, tell me about your passions. Tell me, tell me what you want. You know, what's, what, what, what are you going to be excited jumping out of bed every day and doing? 
and, you know, they tell me what they want and it clearly does not fit the role that I have. Oh my gosh. And I tell them that and I say, Hey, listen, probably not the best fit. You know, you are really passionate about backend development. This is all front end focused. Um, and then they insist and change their story around and say, well, no, 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 no. I'm open to that too. And no, you're not, I'm not dumb. And unfortunately I can't ignore what you said to me or bypass the notes that I wrote down already about what your passions are and what you really, really want to do. So say what you mean and like mean what you say, because we are listening to you. And, you know, if you're making up things that, you know, oh no, I'm interested in that too. Or, you know, let's have a frank conversation. You know, again, you know, we really want to make connections off of, you know, real passions. Um, and that really matters. Yeah. And, and the impact that that has on the business, like, you know, we've seen over and over and over again, that when people are trying to fit themselves into something that clearly is not a fit, that person is not going to be a long term hire for that position. Right. And, you know, so that's why it's like such a red flag is because the impact of an organization bringing you in, training you, spending time, getting you in the culture, and then you leaving within a very short period of time impacts the business and the bottom line. Right. 100%. And something about relocation too, right? I think. We yeah. Made- relocation. So I've had people, and like, I see this on resumes too. Um, yeah, open a relocation. It'll be like France, Germany, California, Tibet, you know, uh, Kentucky. Um, so that's a red flag because I'm like, no, you're not going to reload at all those places. There's no way you know people in all of those places. But, um, you know, e- even if I'm on the phone um, with someone and they're saying, yeah, 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 I'll relocate. Um, but they haven't researched the area. And I say, oh, you know, have you researched the area? Nope. Have you been to the area? Nope. Have you ever relocated in your entire life? Nope. Do you own a home? Yep. Do you have a family? Yep. Do you have a partner? Yep. Do they know you're interviewing for a job a thousand miles away? Probably not, you know? Um, So I feel like I see this a lot with younger candidates, Um, but I do see it with older candidates too. Um, And, you know, again, how likely is this to work out, right? If you're telling me that you're going to reload and you're open to it, Um, but you know, the reality is that relocation, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, you know, moving to a new place, not ever, you know, being there before, um, you know, some, uh, like contractors, right. This is the norm. That's fine. But they've also probably relocated before. So it's nothing new. Um, you know, I'll see this. And again, it's, it's how likely is this to work out? How much of a risk are you, are you actually going to relocate? You're telling me this now, because maybe you're saying, you know, this, because, this is what I want to hear. Um, but what's the reality here? So when I ask those questions about, have you ever been there? Have you researched, you know, the cost of living? And they say, no, 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 no. That tells me that they're not serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think here, like, it's important that if you are looking to relocate, just have an idea of what like the plan would be or how that would work for you. Um, there's been so many times where I'll be like, oh, do you own a home? Like, yeah. Okay. Have you like got it up on the market or anything like that? And, you know, depending on how the market is, you know, if you're not able to sell your home, like, then what are you going to do? So, you right. know, just, just kind of like thinking through those things and, and it's okay if you don't have it all together right away, but just know that like, you know, you want to kind of like think through things that if you are um, going to be open, how, like, how would that work? What are the things that you need in place in order to make that work? Yeah. One of my main questions, this is, well, what's your relocation plan? Mm. And they'll be like, what? 
you know, what's her, you know? Um, so that's how I know that they're not serious if I get that response. But if they're like, well, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Right. I talked to my partner. I taught, you know, my kids are young or, um, you know, I don't have any kids. So, you know, it's easy, you know, people that have clearly thought this through, um, you know, it's going to come out and we're going to know. Um, so just, just think about the relocation thing. Um, you know, we've had probably thousands of conversations like this. So, um, you know, we're hip to it. We, you know, we kind of know, know what's going to come off as like real and what's going to come off as like maybe a, an idea that sounded good. Um, and then, you know, how, how, how realistically that's going to shake out. Um, but yeah, like the self-awareness thing is big. Um, what else you have? Okay. So having other offers in hand. So if someone's like, you know, I go through a process with them, they sound great. I say, all right, great. Do you have anything in final stages? And they're like, yeah, I have, you know, two offers in hand right now. Oh, great. Did you get the verbal? Yep. Did you get the paperwork? Yep. Okay. So at this point, um, you're just collecting them and you're just using this as a, you know, potential bargaining chip or a counter offer or to get a higher offer with another company. Right. So, um, then my thing is, okay, so I would be getting my client and myself into a bidding war. So why would I submit someone who has offers on the table, right? It doesn't make sense for, for me to create um, extra backup plans for a candidate uh, who has no care, right? If they're wasting others time. Mm, I think I want to add here too is interview processes take some time, right? So if like, if they already have two offers in hand, like when do they need to let their potential employer no back because, you know, for most of the roles I feel like we work on, it's three or four processes that can take weeks, sometimes yeah. and months, right. You know, are, are they interested or not interested in those roles? What's, what's, you know, what's their real motivation? What's their real goal? Yeah. And sometimes it can be explained, right. If there's other offers and they're like, well, none of them fit with what I want and I'm not going to be accepting them or, you know, that's fine. But you know, if, if they look good and you're still just trying to, you know, see what else is out there and see better and, you know, Hey, you're right. It does involve, you know, time. Um, but it also involves a lot of other people too, mm -hmm. you know? So there's that. Um, let's see. I have another one too. Okay. Money being a main motivator. So I learned this when I was, um, in my early days recruiting. So, if money is someone's main uh, motivator, they're shopping for a counter offer, right? And this might not be the case for everyone, but usually that's what it is. And I probably won't touch you with a 10 foot pole. So um, in this case to me, and right, like recruiters always have, always have to make judgments, right? All the time. We're talking to all of these people. We need to make sure that, um, you know, we are making judgments and they can be snap judgments sometimes. Um, but you know, we need to make decisions on whether or not someone, um, you know, uh, would be a viable candidate. So, um, you know, at this point, if your main motivator and your only motivator is money, like you would accept any job offer, um, that's the highest. So when we think about retention, like you were talking about earlier, a, you know, hire should be made off of passions and genuinely loving what you do. So if it's just for money, you know, you'll be gone in six months when you're looking for more money or accept a counter offer. That's more money. So true. Yeah. So, so that's, true. yeah, yeah. So that's the reason behind that. Like, you know, I understand people, you know, working for money. That's, you know, literally the reason why we work. But if you come to any recruiter and just say, yep, I'm only looking for more money. Um, that's the uh, impression they're going to get from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, those are all amazing points. Um, yeah. I think we already went over everything else. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all the red flags that we have for today. I think we may have covered them all. Um, so yeah, I think we're, I think we're all good unless you want to add anything. No, I think we're good. If you have any red flags, if you're a recruiter listening and you want to share, please let us know. If you're a candidate on the other side and you agree or disagree, we'd still love to hear from you. Let us know. But I hope this helps at least on your calls with recruiters. um, So that way you're not screaming red flags on your calls. Exactly. Exactly. So if you liked what you heard today, give us a review or download the episode. And if there's something you want to hear more on or have feedback for us, please send us a DM on LinkedIn. We're Adrian. Dinkelocker and Lorreen Dinkelocker. And don't worry, our names will be written in the show notes. Our site is theatlasgroup.co. You can find more information there on our membership groups, and you can also download a free resume template. Until next time. Bye. Bye.